Bible nearby. Uh, once you go to Psalm 139, we're going to bring the lights up for you so you can see it. And if you don't have a Bible nearby, that's no problem. You can use the ones on the pew, or we'll have it on the screen. I struggled a lot with uh, how to conclude this series, and um, basically decided to just extend it a week. So. So this is not the last night, this is the next to last night. The topic, uh, or the topic that has been uh, covered over the last few weeks are, are attributes of God, characteristics of God, um, how the Bible tells us uh, a lot of things about who God is and what He's like and how He interacts with us and how He is different than we are. Um, and we've been covering things that are not shared with us. Uh, there are attributes of God that he, uh, that he imparts to us, that He shares with us. So He is love, and so we can love. He is uh, full of mercy and grace and patience. And these are all things about Him that He has decided to share with us, that we can participate in those divine attributes. Um, but the things we've been talking about over the last few weeks are not things that he has shared with us. These are things that are unique to him as the holy God of the universe. And so uh, the last few weeks have, have uh, so I think we're in like the fifth or sixth week, but the last two weeks have focused kind of on the fact that, that God is without limitation. Uh, we are very limited uh, in our, uh, just in our ability to, um, for example, we, you can only be in one place at one time. God is not limited by space in that kind of way. Uh, you and I are limited by, by time passing in a, in, a, in a linear sense. It's moment by moment by moment by moment. Uh, God is not limited to time passing the way that we are. Uh, so uh, he, doesn't, um, he doesn't forget things. He doesn't grow older. He doesn't only know what's happening right now and not what's coming next. He, he sees all of time at one, in one like thing. <laughs> I don't know a better way to say it. Uh, so I, I kind of constructed this uh, timeline with a, with a piece of rope and some clothespins and talked about like we're, we're going through life kind of moment by moment and we have these memories and things, but God, he looks at your whole life as one big thing. He sees all those moments at once when you can only be in this moment and you can reflect on the past. You can remember some things. The further back it goes, you kind of fade. But we have no idea what's coming next. And yet he, he, is, he operates outside of that linear time. Uh, and he is able to see it all at once. So he's not limited by time. He's not affected by time the way that we are. Um, spatially, like I said, you, can, you and I can only be in one place at one time. God can be everywhere in fullness at the same time. Because he's not limited in that way. Um, we're going to kind of add on another aspect of how he isn't limited tonight by talking about he's, he's not limited in his, in his mental capacity. You know? uh, he is omniscient. He knows everything in fullness all the time. Um, so if you want to write this down, this is just like a, 
one shot sentence here. Um, in his being, God has eternal and full knowledge of all things at all times. It's just who he is. He has an, an infinite, limitless knowledge of everything all the time. Um, scripture points to this uh, a, a lot, over and over and over again. Um, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just kind of run through, let me count them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven bullet points. And we're going to throw a lot of scripture up on the screen, but you don't need to turn to them all. Um, but I just want you to, to, to know that this is what God has chosen to teach us about himself through the scriptures. Um, and so I'm going to run through these fairly quickly. And tonight is going to be basically the, the personal impact that his omniscience has on our lives. Like on your life, my life. Uh, next week, we're going to get into his like, omnipotence. His, uh, the fact that he is not, he is, there's no limit to his power. Um, therefore, he can do anything. So, why doesn't he do some stuff that we think he should do? So next week we'll be, we'll kind of interweave uh, sovereignty and like his guidance and control and power of all things. That'll be next week. This week will be how his, the fact that he's not limited in his mental capacity and his knowledge of all things, how that makes a difference in your life and in my life. All right. So let me just run through these, these fairly quickly just so you can kind of get an idea of the picture that the Bible paints about God's knowledge of all things at all times. Um, okay, so the first one, God knows uh, everything. We could just probably stop there, but uh, we'll get more specific. But first thing, God knows everything. In Job 37, verse 16, says, Do you, do you know the balancings of the clouds, the wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge? He's perfect in knowledge. First John 3, verse 20, as another verse you could, you could jot down uh, that says a very similar thing. Uh, For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. This is not the only, this is not the only places in the Bible where it points to the fact that God has complete knowledge of, of everything. You and I acquire knowledge in different ways. We've talked about this in the last few weeks. We are, we're learners. You know, that's why we go to school. That's why we have been trained in various professions. That's why uh, parents teach their kids how to do certain things in order to survive uh, whenever they leave the house. Uh, you, you learn to tie your shoes. You learn to read and write. You learn to, you, we learn to do all these things. You go from not having knowledge to having knowledge um, based on experience and, and hopefully based on someone kind of mentoring you along. Um, God doesn't learn. He just simply knows. It's intuitive for him. And so another distinction between us and him is the fact that he just knows it all. He knows everything about everything about everything. And that's kind of a, a cool thought. I'm like, okay, so whatever it is you're doing, like any sort of task you're trying to accomplish, that God knows how to do that thing that you're trying to do. So if you're a teacher, he's the, literally the best teacher that there's ever been. He's the perfect teacher. If you're an engineer, he's the perfect builder. Uh, if you're an attorney, he's, he understands justice uh, more, than, more than anyone. Uh, if you're a student, um, he doesn't know how to learn. All right, sorry. Uh, Jesus does, because he was a man, so he had to learn things. But anyway, that's a whole, forget that rabbit. That rabbit is dead. Um, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't know how to learn, but he knows how to teach you. 
Um, if you're a stay-at-home parent, there's no better parent. So anything that we're doing, he completely knows how to do that. Uh, any sort of mystery that we encounter, he, it's not mysterious to him. You know, there are, there are all kinds of things in, uh, like in the created universe that just don't, we just don't understand them fully. There are, are things about the human body that like, scientists are like, we don't know why this, this happens, but it does. You know? or, or there's things about various diseases and medical things where they're like, this is still a mystery to us. As smart as we are in 2014... There are still medical mysteries that exist. Um, I was reading this this article about um, there's the movie Interstellar that's coming out and how they've they've uh, created this visual representation of what a black hole might look like and all the science that went into it and stuff. But at the end of the article, they're like, eh, we really don't know, uh, you know, for sure. And so there's like the smartest people that have ever lived are still like, yeah, there's just stuff we don't really get. Um, but God understands all those things. Those things are not mysteries to him. Uh, things in nature, things in medical science, things in, the, in the, the, the known universe, things in the unknown universe, whatever. Nothing is outside of his uh, knowledge, and it's, it's just a kind of mind-blowing thing if we think about it. So God knows everything. His knowledge is perfect uh, in, uh, in every kind of way. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second, second thing, God knows everything f- Fully, all the time. So not only does he know everything, but it's in fullness, and it's always there. He's not one of these people that, like, was an expert at one time, but then kind of has forgotten some things, you know. Um, He doesn't need to be reminded. He doesn't need to have his memory jogged. Uh, He doesn't forget anything. Uh, Psalm 90, verse 4, is one verse points us to this. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. A thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday, when it's past. Like God, we talked about this a little bit in, his, in him being outside of time, that a thousand years ago and yesterday are this, in the same fluid detail to our God. He doesn't, he doesn't forget things. He has that kind of uh, limitless mental capacity. That he can just, it's just without limitation. Second um, Peter verse 3, I'm sorry, Second Peter 3 verse 8 also points us to this. Uh, do, not look, do not overlook this one fact, beloved. With the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So because of his eternal nature, him being outside of time, he sees all of time at once. Um, he is uh, omnipresent, like we talked about last week. He's everywhere in fullness all the time. And he never forgets a single detail of anything that's ever happened or will happen uh, at all, forever. So he knows everything fully, all, all the time. Um, yeah, that's the second one. The third one. Um, God knows himself fully. He knows himself. Uh, he, he doesn't have anything, any like uh, suppressed memories, you know. He doesn't have... Um, parts of his like emotional makeup that he's not really explored very much. Um, he uh, there aren't these like immaturities that are lying dormant. You know, there's no baggage, there's no wounds, there's no uh, nothing is mysterious about himself. And a lot of us, that's uh, so much of what is being sanctified in us as 
as we are maturing and Jesus is forming us more and more into his image, he's purging out a lot of this baggage that we picked up along the way. And uh, just he's bringing out these Christ-like qualities in us over time. And um, there, the longer you walk with Christ, you're going to discover things about yourself that you really didn't know. Um, but God is not like that. There's no self-discovery that he's like, you're never going to believe what I worked through today, you know, uh, with, uh, you know, my friend at the coffee shop or whatever. I was just crying, and it was like, I was kind of embarrassed. God never has those kinds of moments, you know. There's that, that, that sort of self-discovery does not happen. Um, he is fully self-aware all the time. This First uh, Corinthians 2, 10 and 11 uh, points to this. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And so we can't really understand the thoughts of God. That doesn't mean that God can't understand himself. He gets himself. He understands that. He is in fully confident in who he is. Um, he doesn't bring those insecurities and different kinds of wounds and baggage to the table that we do. Um, so he knows himself fully. Um, so that's the next one. Uh, the fourth one. God knows everything about events involving his creation. Uh, I, I think I kind of said this one already. Sorry. Um, no details slip by him. No details are forgotten. Um, even the things that we, will, we miss, we forget them. We don't know about them. We try to hide them. He knows everything that's going on with his creation. And so maybe, maybe this is where it begins to turn toward the personal a little bit. Um, where you and I, there are, 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 are things we try and hide or conceal or whatever. And he knows all those things in fullness all the time. Hebrews 4.13 points us to this. Um, No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Uh, That there isn't this idea of, okay, nobody saw that. Okay, but God saw that. Kind of got into that last week with his omnipresence. Like he's there in fullness all the time. Even when you think nobody's looking, he's not only there, uh, so his presence is one thing. His memory being in full detail is something else. So in the moments when you're trying to hide from God, he's not only there, but he's paying attention. And he's paying attention to things that you don't even know are going on. He knows details that, that slip right by you and I in those moments. And we'll kind of talk about that in a second. Uh, Job twenty eight twenty four also points us in this direction. Um, for he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. Uh, Matthew ten twenty nine uh, is another verse. Uh, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? That he 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 just catches everything, and he remembers everything. So God knows everything about events involving His creation. Uh, number five. God knows everything about the future. We, with that timeline, I don't know if you remember, there were, there were two like giant clothespins. Um, the first one on the timeline, was signif- it signified your birth. Uh, the, the next 
giant one on the timeline signified your death, and there are lots of smaller ones in between with all these other kinds of moments that were there. Um, and, and really, the, there's, the, there's the, that clothespin of death, right, that was there. Um, but if you wanted to take that clothespin, instead of it representing death, it could just represent like this moment right now. Um, like you're watching a video uh, you know, on YouTube or something, you're watching the little uh, thing scroll at the bottom. Yeah, I forget the name of it. So, uh, but you're watching that. Let's say that that's this moment. You don't know anything that's on that side of the timeline. We have no idea what the future holds. But that is all, like, in God's mind. Isaiah 42, 8 and 9, um, point us to this. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. So before, before the next moment of the timeline is happening, God's like, well, I know what's coming. Because he's outside of time. We're in time. He's outside of time. He knows what's coming. And he knows it in full detail. So his mental capacity is, is without limit. He knows everything about everyone's future uh, all over the planet forever. He's able to like, contain all that stuff. Um, also in Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. Um, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Declaring the the end from the beginning, that he has seen this entire story, and he has written this entire story, knowing the end. Knowing the end from the beginning. Um... Do you remember, I don't know if you grew up in this kind of thing, but I remember growing up like in elementary school, and there were these books, and it was called Choose Your Own Adventure. Remember this? So you're reading a story, and then the, one of the characters comes to a decision, and then you get to decide as the reader what decision they make. So it's like, you know, let's say they get to a crossroads, and like, do I go left or go right? And it's like, if you want them to go left, turn to this page. If you want them to go right, turn to this page. So you like make your decision, and then you go... Go right, and you go to the next, and all throughout the book, it's like just constantly like hopping all around, and so you have like all these books in one, and I remember, one, loving the control of a story like that, like I thought that was awesome, um, but also, it kind of like, as a young child, I was like, man, they, these decisions really make a difference. It changed the whole story, because I would go back and like, go back and say, well, what if I had gone left, you know, and then they went left, and like, it was a completely different story, and so... Here I am, this young person, being like, man, the things that we are deciding all the time are putting us on these different trajectories of, of narrative, and it was too much, you know, for a third grader. It just was. It was just, too, it was just a lot. And so here's God saying, I've, I, I've declared the end from the beginning. I know how the story is going to play out. And next week, we'll, we'll get into some of the, like, you know, some of that deeper stuff that's there. But for tonight, let's just... Let's just sit in the fact that he knows exactly what's going to happen. He has full knowledge of every detail that's going to happen. Not just a general, like, Cliff Notes version of your future. He knows every detail of what's happening. And not just for you, but for everyone in this room, and everyone, everywhere, forever, and ever, and ever. Because he is without limit.
Number six, God knows all possibilities. This is where it starts to get a little weird. All right. First Samuel 23, verses 11, 12, and 13. This is what it tells us. Well, the men of Keilah, all right, this is, this is David, okay? So David is, he is um, in a pickle, and he's consulting with the Lord, trying to get his, like, counsel on what to do next. Um, so this, is, this is part of the dialogue. Will the men of Keilah surrender me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. So, so Saul is coming after him. He's trying to figure out what to do. And so he's saying, okay, God, is this going to happen? Um, will Saul come down as your servant has heard? Please tell me. And the Lord said, he will come down. So David says, is he going to come down? God's like, yes. In the next verse, um, and David said, will the men of Keilah surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will surrender you. So God's telling him what's beyond the big clothespin. He's like, this is going to happen. Um, then the last verse, uh, Then David and his men, who were about 600, arose and departed from Keilah, and they went wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Keilah, he gave up the expedition. So what's happened? David says, What's, David asked God, what's about to happen? And God says, this is about to happen. David's like, cool, I'm going to do something else. God's like, okay. God knows all possibilities. He knows not only what's going to happen, but everything that could happen. So, in this situation, God being outside of time, he knows what David is going to do. He also knows what all the different offshoots in the Choose Your Own Adventure book are going to look like. David is wise enough to come to the Lord and say, I need your help. Will you give me some insight? And God, in his sovereignty and wisdom, decided this is a time when I'm going to give you some details. And David said, thank you. And he did something else. So God knows all the possibilities as well as what's going to actually play out. So there are times when uh, you as a believer, maybe you bring something to the Lord, maybe it's a decision that you have to make, it's, there's a choice that's in front of you, and you come to God and you're like, oh, what, do you, what do you want me to do? And you sense his leadership in one direction over another. You're going to the one who knows all the possibilities. And sometimes he doesn't give you he doesn't give you anything. But there are other times when he starts to steer you in a direction. Maybe, just maybe, he's working with a little more information than we are. And we trust the character of our God and we follow him in those kinds of ways. He knows not only what's going to happen, but all the possibilities, every different scenario that could play out. We see this also in Matthew eleven. 21 to 23. Jesus is talking. Um, he says, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. 
But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you have been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. Okay, super dark passage of scripture there, right? Not one of the moments that people, you know, put on a bookmark or like cross stitch or something. You know, like that's not something you're going to see hanging in somebody's house. Uh, but what he's saying is like, is he's, he's offering truth to a group of people. And he knows, because he knows all the possibilities, he's like, if this same truth had been brought to these groups, they would, their situation would have played out very, very differently. He not only knows what is, what is going to happen, he knows all the possibilities. And that benefits you and I deeply, which we'll talk about in a second. All right, last one. God knows every detail about you. Every detail about you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8 points to this. It's talking about people praying, uh, praying for their own gain and uh, just the, for the attention of people. And Jesus is uh, teaching about prayer. He says, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. He knows every need that exists for you and I before we bring it to Him. Before you verbalize it, before you uh, think it, before whatever, he knows, because he knows every detail about you. We also see this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 30, right after he talks about the, the sparrows falling to the ground and God not missing a, a, any detail. This verse follows that one. It says, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. He even knows like that kind of stuff. So he is... Without limit in his mental capacity, he knows everything fully all the time. He knows himself. He knows everything that's going on with his children, with all of his creation. He knows everything about the future. He knows everything about the past. He knows everything about the present. He knows all the possibilities. He knows every detail. Uh, He is without limitation. Not only to space... He's able to be everywhere at once. He's not limited in time. He's also not limited in his mind. There's just no limitations put on him. We only know limits, you know. And our holy God is completely other in that he does not know what that is like. I would imagine probably a very difficult thing as the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, for Jesus to have to learn physical limitations, you know. For Jesus to learn spatial limitations. For Him to, to learn what it's like to have mental limitations. I mean, at some point, Jesus had to learn how to do things, you know. And so that kind of humility benefits us as well. So, so God's omniscience, what is that... What does it have to do with anything? Well, they all kind of fit together. We're seeing how his holiness and his unchangeable nature and his independence and his, his uh, omnipresence, his eternal nature, his, all these things are all like, they're all fitting together and they all just kind of blend in. In Psalm 139, David uh, does this phenomenal job of uh, putting some of these things in, in, into words. 
And so that's why tonight is going to be kind of the, the personal application. And next, next week will be a little bit more of like the more global corporate, you know, kind of stuff. But this, this is for you. This is for me. Let's look at, at this psalm. It's, it's probably familiar to a lot of you if you grew up around church. Um, and uh, we've used this in various contexts uh, on Sunday nights and in community groups. And even last week, you know, used part of it. And, uh, let's look at, at David kind of processing some of this and see how maybe God wants to push us. Um, look at the first six verses. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Um, look at that first verse. As you have searched me and known me. The great uh, Charles Spurgeon had this to say about this verse. It says, Searching ordinarily implies a measure of ignorance, which is removed by observation. Of course, this is not the case with the Lord. But the meaning of the psalmist is... That the Lord knows us thoroughly as if he had examined us minutely and had pried into the most secret corners of our being. Here's David has is, is come to this point where he realizes that how thoroughly God knows him. That God has searched him and knows him. This is a personal thing. That we don't come into an auditorium like this and, and sing and look at the Bible and pray and do these things uh, to a statue that is just a piece of wood or concrete or something. Um, that this is a real, a real relationship that's more real than our relationships with each other in a lot of ways. The, the holy God of the universe has searched him and, and knows him as if he really has like, like explored every aspect of David's life. It's that kind of thorough knowledge. Um, and, and I know that this is like from Hebrew to English, but that exclamation point on the end of that sentence. I don't know that I'm always that I would always put that exclamation point on there for me, you know. Like I should. But there are, are times when being searched and known by God is not a very comfortable thing to me at first, you know. I'm like, cause man, I I'm I'm like like everybody else. Like I I work hard at um, in one sense of my being, at trying to like keep a certain impression at all times, you know. Uh, which is not, and don't hear me saying like, "Oh, I'm in the I'm in the game of deception with you." It's like, no. I mean, I, th- I think we all 
struggle with like that kind of like vulnerability and transparency, you know. Like I have to push myself to share things and to like whatever and, and I feel like the longer I walk with Christ the easier it's getting. And walking in a gracious family like this makes it makes it so much easier, you know, and the, the things that you confess and that you bring to the table and you're like, Hey, I, I have no explanation other than like I'm just I'm dumb, you know. And for people to just be like, Oh, we know, you know, it's okay. Yeah. We we leave room for you to be dumb. It's it's all right. That has, has coaxed me out over the years and um, I mean, you guys might remember um, uh, so, several years ago now, like I, like I just like called a timeout and was like I, I had to uh, con- confess some things and deal with some things and bring some things into the light that I've been trying to keep hidden and stuff and um, went to the elders and they were like, wait, what, you know? And so uh, we kind of worked through that and um, just got up on a Sunday night and was like, hey, I'm not going to tell you everything that's going on, but you just need to know that that they're, this group knows everything. They have full access, and uh, I was just I had, was just terrified of what was going to happen. And like everybody was like, "All right, cool, we'll be praying. Let us know if you need us." That kind of thing. And uh, it was just the strangest bit of grace I'd ever experienced. And um, to walk through that and to to have a lot of like firm, um, like real agape love that 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 wanted my good but also like wanted like was not afraid to have like tough love and those kind of things and and all the grace and forgiveness and just the everything to work through and then to be able to uh come back up and like kind of get back into um like pastoral ministry and have having gone through counseling and healing and those kind of things and all that stuff uh has made it all, like so much easier for me to not like freak out about confession and transparency, and so let me I, I share all that to basically just like in, encourage you that um, we're all taking steps in, you know it's kind of a, a group effort, uh, and in our community groups and just in living life together corporately, we're all learning how to do this, and it it does get better, it does get easier, but I'm also here to say that that even though that's been five or six years now, there's still a, a part of me that that wants to not be known and not be searched. And I still have to work toward that. My flesh wants to keep things hidden. The Spirit of God in me wants everything to be out in the open. Um, so I go to a verse like this. I'm like, okay, well, if God has searched me and known me, then maybe, maybe his conclusion after searching me and knowing me, the fact that it is thorough, Maybe what he says about me should be the should be the lead truth in my life, and then what other people have to say and all this kind of thing that should all like follow suit, you know. So David leads in this psalm with "You have searched me and known me," and in English we have an exclamation point that's there. It's like this is a great thing. And then he exp- expands upon it a little bit. Look at verse two. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. Okay, so at first you're like, you know when I sit down, when I rise up, like, is that weird? Like, no, it's not weird. How does he know when I sit down and when I rise up? Well, he's, he's not limited by time or space or mental capacity, so he knows because he's there and he sees it and he remembers it. and He's not spying on you. It's not weird. He's, he's there. That's who he is. It's like, awesome, you know when I sit down, when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. 
not saying that God is far away, but there, I think there are times when we feel like we're far away. We're kind of running. The irony of running from the Lord, because he's everywhere, so yeah, that's kind of dumb. But uh, You discern my thoughts from afar. So, so even when, when we feel like we have withdrawn from, from God, he, he knows what's going on in our mind. So, so he can read your mind? Yes. Yes. He knows everything. He has perfect knowledge of all things. Not just what he observes through his omnipresence. But he has knowledge of what we're thinking. And he's processing that and he's there with us. Verse 3. You search out my path and my lying down. Again, as you're going, as you're living life, and are acquainted with all my ways... Verse 4, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. So, again, it's not that he's like, he's like, oh, God heard you say that, you know. It's not like, oh, he heard you say it, so therefore he knows it. It's like, no, you don't even have to say it. Before you say it, he knows. So even if you're like, man, I'm so glad, so glad I held my tongue in that moment, you know. That's a step, you know, that's awesome. But he knows what you're thinking in that. He knows the great thoughts that you have. He knows the intentions that you have. He knows the not-so-great thoughts that exist. He knows the attitude that's there. He knows the unspoken angst that is there. He knows all of it. Like, it's just not not a mystery to him. And so here's David, who had more than his share of rough patches in his life. I would imagine that all of us in this room have had our share of rough patches in our lives. And Here's God saying, like, yeah, I'm fully acquainted with all that. Every thought before you, you know, you didn't have, you didn't have to say it. He's like, I know you that thoroughly. And the reason why I said a minute ago, I wouldn't always put an exclamation point on the first part of that statement, is that I think there's parts of us that this psalm is not getting better. You know, it's getting worse. You know, it's, it's making us paranoid. It's whatever. But the reason it's there is because this needs to lead us into like, the light. This needs to, to bring us to a place of joy. And I'm really glad that David didn't stop right there. Because I think that would be like, man, that's a, that's a creeper psalm right there. Like, if you just stop, you know, like, God, I don't really know how to feel about that. And here's David, verse 5. You hem me in, behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Listen to me. That's God's response to his thorough knowledge of everything about you. Is to him you in to lay his hand upon you. He's not repulsed. He doesn't push away. He doesn't turn his back. He doesn't scold. He doesn't crush. He doesn't mock. His thorough knowledge of you and of me leads to his response of hemming us in. 
So you, you think about you. What, what does it mean to be hemmed? I mean, you're, you're sealed in. He says, no, I'm not running away from you. I'm, I'm going I'm to make this even more personal. I'm going to hem you in and lay my hand upon you. That's why David had an exclamation point at the beginning of this. That's why David is saying, do you know how amazing it is that God knows my thoughts? He knows when I wake up, when I lie down, and he, he's fully acquainted with all my ways. That Even before I say anything, God knows what it is. Do you know how amazing that is? That even though he knows me better than I know myself, better than anyone else, as hard as I work to try and maintain a certain image, a certain impression, and all this kind of stuff, the one who knows me, that's his response to me. To be hemmed in, lay your hand upon me. Verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I, I, I cannot attain it. I know we get excited about a lot of things. And there's some amazing, uh, just incredible things about life on this earth, even as broken, as messed up as it is. There's nothing greater than this stuff. Nothing greater than the gospel where Jesus looks at you and says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Nothing should thrill us more than these kinds of truths. That God looks at you, knows you thoroughly, in the moment, in the past, in the future, and he says, you're mine. You're my son. You're my daughter. And for him to send Jesus to die so that you could sit at his table and have his name, it's too wonderful for us. The songs don't, they don't do this truth justice. The poetry in these psalms, as great as it, it doesn't, it still doesn't, doesn't quite get there. This should fire us up more than anything. That's how his omniscience makes a difference. Because you may have had the best day or the best week of your life. I mean, the picture of Christ-likeness and holiness, and I hope so. But you may have been on the other end of the spectrum and your behavior does not change these truths. Because you and I didn't earn it, and David didn't earn it. You know why God loves David this way? Because he loves him. That, that, that's it. That's the explanation. It's like, yeah, but why? No, well, there, that's it. That's the explanation. Because he does. Why would, he, why would he choose to hem him in and lay his hand upon him? And, uh, because he does. That's, he's the holy, sovereign, creator, sustainer of the universe. He can do whatever he wants. And this is the choice that he made. So David goes on. Verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol or hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. 
The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. It's talking about literally when he was a, like, was a fetus, saying, you knew me even then. Um, verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was, not, there was none of them. David's going through all the things that we've been talking about. He's just like spilling his guts into this poem. He's saying, I cannot believe how good my God is. That's what this psalm is saying. It's blowing his mind. How these big theological truths come out of the theology book and into your daily life and my daily life. How we think about God makes a, just such a massive difference. It makes worship look different. It makes uh, prayerlessness look ridiculous. It's like, why in the world would we not pray? Why in the world would we not go to Him about the, everything? Why would we? Why? 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 It just it really it reframes so much of my life when I keep these things in mind, and I'm sure it does the same for you. And that's probably why God's bringing us through a series like this. Saying, hey, don't forget, don't forget who I am. Don't forget what I'm like. Skip down to verse 23, 24 as I close. David, he works his way through some more stuff. And then verse 23, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. He's not, he's not saying that as though God is not already doing those things. He's placing himself in a position of openness. Saying, hey, I don't, I don't want to hide a single thing from you. So I am completely yours. Do what you will. Just lead me. Just lead me. In the 23rd Psalm, he says, he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's this idea of saying, I'm all yours. I'm on board with whatever you want because I know who you are. And so maybe these two verses, if God's been stirring you over these last few weeks about some of these big ideas, maybe these verses are the application points. Maybe this prayer is a prayer that works its way in to your life. I don't really know. That's between you and the Lord. Um, but we're going to respond uh, through singing here in a second. And um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe with, each, with each passing Sunday, maybe our times of singing and worship go a little deeper for you. Uh, I hope so. Uh, so let me pray as the band comes back. Won't you stand up with me? God, I'm grateful for uh, for the scriptures and how they uh, 
It's how you've perfectly worded things and you've chosen to bring us in as to what you're like in these kinds of ways. And um, even though we, we really can't understand like fully what it means for you to be without limitation, I'm thankful for the for helping us in our uh, just in our desires to know more. Thank you for um, for providing us with the scriptures and so that we could have these things in front of us. And even though as challenging as they can be, we know that. It's your spirit at work among us that helps us understand things and all. I ask God that you would take us from wherever we might be to the point where David was when he wrote that psalm. Especially that, that first verse. That he celebrates this idea that you have searched him and that you know him. That you would get us to a point where we really, we just, we can't even express it. It's a point where you are the only thing that truly thrills our souls. And as we sing, maybe some things would ignite. And uh, our desire is just to pour our hearts to you through song.